and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden, and it's just me today. It is Wednesday, April 22nd, about two o'clock as I am recording this. Miles is hard at work getting the paper ready to go for everybody, and I am just going to intro an interview that Miles did earlier in the week. He's been on the phone with lots of people lately, lots of restaurants, trying to gauge how businesses are handling everything as we start to potentially move forward towards opening things up again. Today on the podcast, Miles is chatting with J.R. Schoenfeld from Chives. He is a restaurateur who's been in the game for a long time. He's had restaurants down in Green Bay. He's got Chives up here, as well as Behringer's and Fish Creek. And the two of them chatted about what they think the timeline might be for when they're going to be ready to open. That's been kind of the big question on everybody's mind, especially business owners up here, is are we going to be ready to open middle of May if things get pushed towards May 1st? Is that is that a potential for opening? Are, are people ready for that? And so Miles has been talking to different people, trying to gauge what they're anticipating their opening dates are going to be. So like I said, it's about two o'clock today on Wednesday. The numbers have not been updated in Door County yet, but today Wisconsin did have its largest spike with 225 new cases. Like I said, Door County is not reported as of two o'clock, but if something changes as I'm editing this episode, I'll jump in right here. So without further ado, why don't we jump into the interview with J.R. Schoenfeld Thank you for listening, everybody, and I will chat with you again tomorrow. Okay, joining us today on the podcast is J.R. Schoenfeld from Chives Restaurant in Bailey's Harbor and Behringer's in Fish Creek. J.R., thanks for hopping on today. Thank you. Thanks for talking to me. Well, this is an interesting time for restaurant owners, a little bit. <laughs> um, Crazy time. What is What has the last few weeks been like for you going from just open for business to being worried about this to unprecedented constraints on you. You know, this is a crazy cause I'm like a different restaurant, I'm a seasonal restaurant that seasonal restaurant, but in order to keep my staff, um, you know, I, uh, I provide health benefits, vacation, I'm year round. And my business model is year round with the understanding that, I do a little bit of business to help me out, but obviously not enough to totally keep me afloat. So there's challenges now that really bite into my business model. And the past few weeks, you know, we've been just creative to kind of figure out what we can do for our business, plus what we can do for our community. You know, I mean, we've been holding our own and people have been very supportive on takeout. And I've come up with this program that, the Chives and Behringer's crew on Wednesdays doesn't do, uh, doesn't, we don't do service on Wednesdays. So we've created a program that we give away 50 bags of groceries. Um, and we try to do like the grocery bags are three or four meals, uh, for a family of four. And what we do with those is we kind of like, it's kind of like pay it forward. I came up with an amount in my head, that I was willing to give to our community to help people out. And every week, uh, you know, like we're doing it tomorrow. And every week we say to people, come and get a bag of groceries if you need it. If you want to donate something, donate something. If you want to come pick one up for someone else, you know, they cost us about 40 bucks. So buy one and give it to somebody or buy one and pay for two, you know, And it's really nice to see because some people come by and don't even get a bag and give us $50. Hmm. Some, uh, you know, a guy walked up one day and 
and was like, God, I could really use one. I only have a, you know, he reaches in his pocket and gave, you know, a dollar and some change. And I, and he really wanted to give that. And we took it and gave him a bag of food. So it makes you feel good. You know, that's what I do for the community. As far as business goes, God, you don't know what. Um, I, I want it to open tomorrow, but I'm not willing to open tomorrow. Uh, I want it to be safe for everybody. And I want to preserve, you know, July, August, September, and October. Um, and I'm willing to sacrifice whatever I need to do to do that. Um, I, I, I came up with a program, thanks to the PPP loan, that's great for bringing people back. Um, you know, come May 15th, I'm looking at like around the 1st of June. Is business going to be the same? No, <laughs> but I want to get some people employed and get going. So I'm utilizing my PPP loan money to employ people, but I'm bringing them up. I'm bringing them up, putting them in employee housing, paying them, feeding them to quarantine for two weeks before June 1st. So we have a nice clean group of people to deal with the public, if that makes sense to you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's an interesting battle because you have to, to ramp it up. And then there's some of these businesses that have been totally closed. I've talked to a couple of business owners saying like, should I even open yet? Like, even if we could, even for takeout right now, should I open? Because the, the pie, normally you're starting to see the pie grow up here at this time of year yep. slowly, but they're like, the pie's not growing yet. So all I'm doing is taking away from the people who've been open. Like, is it really worth it to just spread it even thinner? Um, so that's the, I know that's going through some people's heads. Uh, I, I, I also look at it as a safety standpoint. When you open, like right now, between two restaurants, we have eight people. Okay. And that eight people that we look at, we as a group, um, you know, my employees are my family. We as a group look at us as social distancing together. So we hang out together. We're like an eight person family. Okay. And we're self quarantined together. We only hang out with each other. We only do each other. If we add a person to that group of people, we possibly infect our nice clean group. Mm -hmm. So how do we bring people into that group? You know, we're bringing people like we had a conversation that somebody wanted to visit us, you know, uh, an employee that's working with us wanted to come up. We said, yeah, you're fine to come up, but, you have to quarantine for two weeks and you can't hang out with us, you know? <laughs> so how do you ramp up your staff and keep from infecting each other? Because when you're working together, like in these meat plants and places where there's flare-ups, it's impossible to work a kit in a kitchen and stay six feet apart. Right. Restaurant kitchens you know? are designed to be as efficient as possible to eliminate <laughs> exactly. steps that slow you down. So everything's tight together and you might have six people in a 12 foot span yes. working back, so, back to back. Same thing behind the bar. All your servers so are in a tight quarter. My answer to that is, all right, the only way for us to safely keep our crew from really, you know, when you add, uh, I forget what they call it, but you know, when they trace who you've talked to and who you've done is to expand our self quarantine group with the understanding that we stay together. We don't, go crazy unless we're, you know, social distancing and practicing. So we're bringing our staff in really early, making himself quarantine and adding them to our little, for lack of a better word, clean family. You know what I mean? With a clean history. Mm -hmm. And once they come back, we're going to keep it in the family. Does, does that make sense to you? Yeah. 
Well, I mean, and one thing all these restaurants have to do is somehow give people, whether the state says go ahead and open up or not, you still got to give people confidence to come into your place that you're doing the right thing. I was talking to Bobby McDonald over at the Bayside yesterday, and he said, you know, when we reopen, restaurants are going to be under such a strong microscope of people walking in, watching whether you're washing your hands, are you, is your server touching his face, is uh, looking through the pass at the kitchen and seeing how they're doing it and nitpicking other customers, whether or not they're keeping distance. Um, so you're under the watchful eye of the public as soon as those doors yeah. open. So you don't want to be, like Bobby said, he's like, I'd rather have someone else open first and be the guinea pig and and that way we're not the first one to, f- to have a case tied to us. That's, yeah, you know? yeah. We had a funny scenario. It's like I was explaining about our small little quarantine family. There's, you know, eight of us in that group. And we don't allow other people inside of our group. Um, and we posted a picture of us getting our bags ready for Wednesday. And someone's comment was, there's only one person wearing a mask and the rest of the people aren't six feet apart. And I, I get that, understand, but I wish I could know a way to explain to them that says, well, this is how we're being safe. Those six people are a family that are together that obviously when you're at home with your kids or your family or things like that, you guys don't not shake hands. You don't, you know, stay six feet apart. You're your family. So that's our family working on it. There was one person with a mask and gloves and all decked out, but that was the person that kept running to the car, bringing people food. Mm hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's going to so, be tough for every business. I, I took a picture of uh, Jay Keita and his family a couple of weeks ago to be our servers of the week for all the work they were doing to keep the shelf stock at the pig. And when I took the picture, I'm like, oh, some people are probably going to claim, like, get ticked off because they're not all six feet apart. But it's like this family is working together. They're working in the pig. You know, as many signs as you put up there, like people are still coming within six feet of each other every time you go grocery shopping. So, um, yeah. And heck, the aisle, we're, we're very fortunate that the pig was remodeled before this happened because it would have been impossible to keep social distance in the old pig. But yeah, um, but yeah they, so you, you guys are going to face that um, nonstop. And, and another restaurant owner I talked to today said, you know, somebody had posted, we're doing this, this, and this in our restaurant. And this guy's like, you're supposed to be doing all those things in a restaurant all the time anyway. Like a restaurant is actually a pretty sanitary place if it's run correctly. Yep. Yeah. The only thing is the only challenge that we have is how do you take an order? How do you, you know, serve food? How do you do that? You know, I've had some ideas that like, all right, obviously, you know, the, the, the taking the order is, you know, there's going to be sketchy with the six feet difference. Mm -hmm. I've re I've redesigned my tables in my restaurant. So everyone's six feet apart. We're obviously not going to do the capacity that we've done. I'm adding an out exterior bar the building so people can wait outside and stay six feet apart um i'm i'm designating only one individual in the restaurant that that clears plates you know no oh you know servers don't clear plates there's gonna be one person in the restaurant that does all the clearing because hmm. i think i look at that as a danger zone yeah do you know what i mean serving we're going from a controlled environment in my restaurant anyway i'm looking at quarantining my staff, keeping my staff together, you know, kind of like the pig people or this or that. So I'm, I'm taking precautions to make sure that my staff can be as, as clean as we can be. You know what I mean? I mean, as far as virally, 
and and you know we stay together so i have confidence that when it comes from the kitchen or from a person that that individual as as best of our ability is uh is there's not a lot of uh you know uh issue with that person when it comes to coronavirus or or passing on as a transmitter sure but all the customers in the dining room we don't know where they came from or what they've done so i see the clearing of food has a big potential problem and we don't want to, so we put one person wearing gloves and following all the criteria clearing dishes and bringing it right to the kitchen to sanitize you know away from all the other food and away from all the the rest of the process and then it allows everyone else to not cross contaminate and hopefully that is you know those are the things i think about hmm. um you know Granted, we sanitize the tables. We always sanitize the tables. You know, we, you know, the, the the glassware, the china, the everything that goes onto a table has been washed, sanitized, kept separately. The food is all handled properly. You know what I mean? Um, you know, no to to health guidelines. And you know, for years, for years as a restaurateur, you always thought that you know the health department went the extra mile sometimes. This is why <laughs> all those rules that we followed over the years are thought was excess, which at certain times might be a little excess. Mm -hmm. They're written for times like this, you yeah. know? And so if we adhere to those, we're good, but we do have a couple other areas to look at, you know, the clearing of dishes, the keeping the customers away from each other, you know, the bars, I, you know, bars, you get somebody drinking. How do you keep people six feet apart? Yeah, so we're going to have to figure out how to eliminate that, you know, and I'm going to try to do it by, you know, cocktail tables and less at the bar, hmm. you know, where you separate the tables and maybe you don't have bar service because, you know, <clears throat> cocktail tables work. You know, that's a good thing. You can maintain distance, but how do you stick a bartender in social distancing? Yeah. You know, that's nearly impossible. Um you know, maybe you have a couple schools around or something, but, uh, you know, bar service is, is a huge area that I haven't figured out yet. I mean, do you have any ideas on that? Or? <laughs> no, you're, but you, you're definitely, it's something I've thought about and you're bumming me out because I love bars. So <laughs> usually when, uh, my wife and I go out to eat, I love to sit at the bar because you can strike up random conversations a little easier yep. and chat with the bartender. Um, and you know, that might that might not be possible for a while. Um, yeah, I mean, so I'm trying to figure out ways that, all right, if I have to reduce my seating and I have to do it, how can I do it in a way that I can add some cocktail tables so people can wait, keep everybody six feet apart, maybe add a little bit outside for those. And, and I'm also, you know, like I have my food trucks, which sometimes are weird. So I might, you know, have my food truck on property that, you know, normally I do burgers and fries and still do that, but maybe set it up and people can come and get like a little bit better of a meal. You know, like one of my food trucks is set up that I could do fresh swordfish on palm frites with pink peppercorn sauce. I usually sell, you know, five, six, eight, ten dollar items on my food truck, but I could do gourmet food that people could pick up and walk to the Anklam Park and sit and eat a chives fine dining meal, but down there, cause there's a lot of people when we open the restaurant, aren't going to want to go. 
you know, they're not going to want, they're not going to want to sit in a restaurant of people. Yeah. But they still want good food. So I'm thinking I might set up one of my food trucks as an easy way to get to go food without having to go in the restaurant or without having to, uh, throw off our service in the restaurant, if that makes sense. No, it's going to be really interesting who gets creative. Cause I think you're going to see some really cool stuff being done. Um, in the meantime, I've already talked to several restaurants and I don't want to give away what they've told me, but there's, um, you know, folks thinking like you are of, all right, how do we do something a little different and still make a cool experience and maybe give someone, uh, a higher, in, in your case, like a, a chives quality meal in a different sort of format that's a grab and go format, um, yep. which is, it's different. It's rethinking everything because right when you're in your kind of restaurant or Wickman House or Whistling Swan or Behringer's, whatever, um, a lot of that experience is based around the service and the dining experience. And for a lot of people, that's going to be uncomfortable, like you said. So you got to try and accentuate something without having that to do it. Um, yeah. You know, right now, as we're talking, Tavern League is pushing for a May 1st opening. Governor Evers has extended the Safer at Home order through May 26th. That gets us past Memorial Day, which is obviously a, a potentially a huge res, re, revenue loss for a lot of businesses. But that's, you know, based on normal revenue. And I don't think anybody would expect, well, any thinking person would expect <laughs> that to be a normal Memorial Day weekend this year. But where do you stand on that? I mean, Tavern League says, you like... Know- Let's open it up May 1st, but... I look at it, you know, I have restaurants all over, okay? And I think depending on the location, it's a difference. I think Door County is specific. Um, you know, we're... I can't afford to have... But Say I... That again. You said... It, I, can't I can't afford... afford to lose the whole summer if, they, or if we go May 1st, but then there's a resurgence and we lose August, September, October... You know, I'm really done. I'd much rather sacrifice a little bit more now to ensure a greater chance of having a close to as normal as possible July, August, and September, you know? And I think that that's way I hope everyone thinks, you know? Um, I, I think it's unrealistic to think that everyone is you push to open in Door County anyway, Uh you know, for to have a nor- as normal as possible Memorial weekend, because that ramp, you have to ramp up your staffing so much for Memorial weekend, and then it's slow. <laughs> yeah. And you know what I mean? So I think it's better to start when we can gradually start than to peak and then drop again. And I, that's my idea anyway. Um, you know, the May 1st thing I think is ridiculous. Um, for multiple reasons, you know, the addressing the bartender, you know, taverns, I feel for bars. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I think it's horrible, but I think, I hope they think more like I'm thinking, you know, that, all right, let's get rid of bar service and figure out how to service some tables that are at a safe distance, you know, and, you know, bars in general, you give someone three drinks, how are you going to keep them to keep the rules? Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, I mean, I understand it. So just like, just like restaurants have to, a fine dining restaurant have to revamp their experience. I think bars have to think, how do we revamp our experience? Right. You know, how do we give a safe social environment to get a little bit of money, not try to get back to normal because there is no new norm. There's, there, there's going to be a new normal. And, and you I- know, it, it's not, I don't know how the bars, especially I could see like 
you know, your cocktail bars that aren't based on high volume or your wine bars are probably in a better position. So I really feel for the ones that are more of like your, your dive bar type of atmosphere where, yeah. you know, it's, it's cheaper beers and it's, you know, you, you don't make a mu- a much at a lot of times, but you make all of your money at say like a happy hour push or when you have a band night or, or a big crowd. And yeah. who knows when you're going to be allowed to have that. Even right now, even the rosy scenarios are saying, you know, no more than 50 people. Well, yep. a pack night at, at Husby's back in the day might be 200, 250 people in there. And that's yeah. when you really make up for all the slow times all week. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I fear for every high volume business, whether it's Husby's or Disney World or places like that, because they're, you know, fine dining with great service and distancing and upselling and creating an experience. It's easier and a little smaller staff, you know, we can, I think we can get by and with our model, but I feel the high volume places that their food, their, their, their gross profit per person is, you know, their profit per customer is so small that, but they make up for it in volume. It's hard for them to change their model, mm-hmm. you know, and they almost have more work to do, I think, than I do. I don't know that for a fact, but when your business model is about having a band and getting people to drink a lot and eat a lot of, you know, high volume of inexpensive food, it's hard to take that and cut it by a third. Right. Because then you can't afford the band and then you can't afford the staff cakes for that big area. You know, so you, 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 that's tough. I, I don't want to speculate and I'm just speculating now, but <laughs> I understand their challenges. No, I'm in the same know? boat. I mean, I help organize events. I don't know, you know, it, I still fingers crossed for some sort of miracle here that makes it plausible. But, you know, when we're putting on events with a thousand, two thousand people, um, it, it doesn't seem like that's right around the corner. And, you know, I used to, I ran Lambeau Field. I worked at a ski area. I used to do PGA events. And, you know, my guru in that type of industry always told me you're not making money unless you're running around chicken with your head cut off and you're four people deep. And I'm sure you can appreciate that. Mm -hmm. And if you get rid of that scenario, you're not making money. Yeah. And and that's what you need on those events. So that's a huge challenge even up here. Yeah. You know, I feel for those people because I don't know how you're going to make that happen, you know, whether it's you as an event planner, wedding people, you know, there's people that make their wedding planners and wedding venues that have five months to make their event, their money for the year. Mm -hmm. And we're going to take those five months away and cut them by, uh, you know, half, two thirds, a tenth. And that, that's tough, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, you funeral home directors. I mean, how do you how do you do that right now? How, how do people yeah. grieve and and get closure? Let alone and then you go like oh that's kind of like a mini event. How do you how do you pull those off uh, consistently? Um, it affects all sorts of different businesses you wouldn't even think about. But then you I mean the festivals that are part of what are the centerpiece of so many weekends like those will be at best they're going to be very different. At worst they're just not going to happen. Um, we've already seen that. Th- almost all the May ones are already canceled and many of the June ones. Um, 
It's going to be a, maybe, maybe it'll be the version of Door County that some old timers miss, but. <laughs> um, well, you know, I look at it this way. I think my goal, my goal, obviously your goal is always to make money, but my goal is to keep my head above water until one year from now, hmm. you know, because I think that's what my goal is. What can I do to keep my head above water until next year? And that's, that's my goal. Um, and I think that's being realistic. You know? And I think that's starting to sink in for more and more people. Um, I think at first there was a lot of, okay, maybe a couple of weeks and we can get back to it. Okay, maybe a month to five weeks. And then as you're starting to see how this is playing out around the world, and then, you know, we're all, instead of it being something that's pushed down on us, a lot more of us are starting to realize, well, I don't want to get sick. I don't want my parents to get sick. I don't want my uncle to, you know, you start to... Yeah feel it in a more personal way. And then you go, okay, this is kind of real. Um, you know, I, I'm also curious, uh, with somebody else I was talking to yesterday, we started talking about J1s and J1s being the student for the listeners, the, the student workers who come here from overseas, they come from Eastern Europe, they come from the Philippines, they come from China, all over the place and fill at least about 500 positions every summer. As of right now, that's pushed off to, they, they're saying no, no sooner than June 1st, that's probably going to get pushed again. I don't know if you're, you're going to see any J1s up here this summer. I, I think everyone should make their model not around J1. And I know that's hard for everybody, but if everybody is realistic and gears back to, I think, what we're going to get, I think it's doable. You know, I think we're going to get into a problem if people start overthinking what we're going to get. Yeah. You know? Everybody needs to like look at what they can accomplish and what they can do to get their head above the water and everybody work as a group and not try to steal from this person or steal from this person or stand out or do this. Take what you do, try to crunch it at 50% and keep your head above the water. I don't think we're going to see J1s and I'm trying to figure out exactly how I'm going to do it without them. Right. I mean, I know. I, I'm not, my model has nothing to do with J1. I know for some people that's harder, um, but if everybody gears back 50%, I think we'll have enough people. And then if, the, the interesting thing is like, what if, okay, we, what if the scene changes by July or August, people start feeling more comfortable, they've been pent up, they've put off vacations, and then suddenly we get a lot of people feeling safe again, and maybe maybe things just aren't as bad, maybe we get lucky with this virus. And we get swamped in September and October and everyone's at, you know, half staff levels. <laughs> just, the, the, yeah, it's an unlikely, that's, that's actually an unlikely scenario. That'd be a good problem to have, right? Of like, okay. Yeah, that'd how, be a great problem to have and I'll <laughs> deal with that when that comes, but I'm not going to plan for that because I think it's too much of a risk. Yeah. You um, know, I, I mean, luckily with the PPP loans and all that kind of stuff, I can take care of a few people now until it gets busy. Um, and be ready for it, you know. Uh, you know, the, the, I wish we could get those loans for June first instead of now. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> you know, but we can't. But I mean, I, I'm just trying to be creative, and my gardens are going to look good. I'm going to plant a bunch of vegetables. I'm going to, you know, do what I can do. So, I mean, if you're a business owner this year and you don't have good landscaping, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you got to yeah. throw in the towel on your flower garden because. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, you know, I, I just, I'm optimistic and I'm, I'm a little different than some businesses because 
I already have my staff and I kept them and I haven't laid them off and I'm not having to start them from scratch. Um, that's a, a business model. I wish I'd see more people do up here because I think it would relieve a lot of our, uh, a lot of our seasonality issues, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't work for everybody. Um, you know? Well, JR, thanks for hopping on the podcast and talking through some of this. And maybe we'll do this again in a couple of weeks as we figure out what's next. Um, All right. But thanks for your time. This is a good conversation. All right. All right. Thank you. Have a good day. Thanks for talking. You bet. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.